Test one, two. Sorry about my lateness tonight. I got busy talking and then had to go to the restroom, and here it is class time. So does anybody need a handout on the, on the outline of Proverbs? I've got a few extra copies. You need one? Okay. Anybody else? You're welcome. We do have a, a microphone that will be going around if you have questions or comments, so I hope, I hope you'll uh, talk a little bit tonight. It's always good when people participate and I don't have to do a monologue, you know, because I'm boring. It's just me. But if you talk, if you talk, it's more interesting. So, first question tonight. Uh, last week, we discussed the ten speeches from the Father to the Son, which is section one of Proverbs. Y'all remember how many sections there are to the book of Proverbs that we talked about? Anybody remember? A little quiz? Three. Yeah. Thank you, Warren. Warren paid attention. Good job. Oh, you got the outline. Ah, man. Well, you know, I've been told that Judgment Day is an open book test, by the way. All right. So there's 10 speeches from the Father to the Son. We, we sort of quickly covered those last week. We did an introduction lesson. And then tonight, what I want to do, I want to stay in section one, but now we're going to shift over to four, base, four presentations, four appeals from Lady Wisdom. All right? So I don't want you to think that Lady Wisdom is like a real-life human being that's writing in Proverbs. Solomon is writing, but he uses this illustration of a woman uh, who's reaching out and appealing to people to listen to her, to listen to her. So there's four specific presentations uh, about wisdom as she calls out and invites us to join her. So if I don't get through all four, that's okay. We'll, we'll jump into it next week. But uh, I did want to ask one question, kind of reviewing last week, and uh, that question is that we showed the father instructing his sons about making wise choices and appealing to him, my son, my son, in his 10 different presentations. So here's the question I have. If you could recall one pitfall that the son in the book of Proverbs is wise, the, the father is warning his son about, what is that in your mind, what are the pitfalls that seem to be something he warns the, the son? Yeah, I have a question. Okay. When the microphone gets here, you can expound on that a little bit. Tell us again what you said so we can all hear you. A dangerous woman. A dangerous woman. Are women dangerous? Some women are, I would not want to tangle with some women, right? But can you expound, don't walk away yet, he's not done. Give him the microphone. I want you to expound on that. What is it, what do you mean dangerous, you talking about a weightlifter kind of woman? There's some enticing women out there that'll get you in trouble. Ah, enticing women who will get you in trouble. That sounded... That sounded a whole lot like Paulette talking. But, but I think Dennis agreed. Y'all are, are in agreement, right? 
All right, an enticing woman who will get you in trouble. And that is so very true, particularly with young men who can be influenced by older, more mature or experienced women who are flirtatious or um, licentious, lascivious, uh, seducing. Um, and so we see some examples that the dad, that was actually the first one I thought of, Paulette, so you and I are on the right track there. He warns her about that woman, right? And, and can anybody remember the illustration that the father gives when the son listens to a woman who's enticing him? It is like, anybody remember? Okay, got a, we, I told you you'd get a workout tonight. Here he comes, here he comes. We do this, by the way, for the benefit of those people that are live streaming that aren't here watching on Facebook so they can hear the comments as well. Thank you. Yes, sir. I think he probably uses more than one analogy, but the one I remember is he says, uh, can you take fire to your bosom and not be burned or walk over hot coals and not have your feet be burned? You start handling or walking on hot coals, you are going to get burned, right? The mm -hmm. one I was thinking of, it's like a cow that's being led by someone. You know, you grab the reins, you pull the cow, and this huge cow is led by someone to slaughter. So the, the end is near, the death of this cow is inevitable. And so a, a, the adulterous woman, um, y'all remember me talking about the lady that used to work in the manufacturing plant when I was in human resources? She was like a seductress. I called her the black widow. And she systematically went around and wrecked marriages. She would entice, she was attractive but she would entice these young men and be flirtatious and appeal to their ego and, and basically um, she'd run a marriage. So she did that numerous times. You know, I, I felt like putting a big sign out in the plant, beware of the black widow, you know. Do not mess with the black widow. They're lethal. So um, anyway, I can think of preachers, elders, deacons in the church, ministers, you know that have gotten involved in illicit relationships, and um, they've wrecked marriages, they've ruined reputations, they've hurt the church. So it's just, a, we have to be careful, be careful of that woman. There's a lot of pitfalls. Um, the smooth speech of the wayward, enticing woman uh, who's encouraging him to sin like a cattle led to slaughter was number one. Two, uh, another one I thought of was the voices of immoral friends who are in encouraging the son to join them in harmful choices, illicit behavior, theft, robbery, murder, um, illegal gain. You know, join us. We'll split the booty. Come join us and we'll have fun. You'll get rich quick. Um, another one was disregarding the teaching of parents. Listen to what your parents have to say. And I think about, as I've done work in both uh, jail ministry and been in prisons, getting to know inmates and their, their stories. I think about the number of jails and prisons that are full of young men who failed to consider their choices and the consequences of the choices they made. So many times, this is what's sad, so many times there's people that are in for prison a long, long time because they made a bad choice and acted upon it and it might have lasted a few minutes. But it had long, long consequences. So think about that. I think also that many of these young men that are in prison, some women, 
They did not have father figures present in their life to advise them, to love them, and discipline them. So, dads, if you've still got young men at home, uh, grandfathers, if you can influence your young men, do it, young men and young women. All right, so let's turn to our, our four sections of wisdom. We're going to start out with chapter 1. And uh, if I could have somebody read, anybody want to volunteer to read verse 20 through the end of the chapter, chapter 1? Anybody? Roy, all right. If, we could, if you could get the mic to Roy, he's going to read chapter 1, verse 20 through the end of the chapter. Wisdom calls, calls aloud outside. She raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses. At the openings of the gates in the city, she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate their knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called you, because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regard, regarded. Because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke, I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock you when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge, and they did not choose the fear of the Lord. They, they would have none of my counsel and despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way, and be filled, with, filled to the full with their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But, whatever listens, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. Okay, thank you, Roy. I appreciate you reading. So as I read this passage in chapter 1, we hear the, at the beginning of Proverbs 1, the father speaking to the son, and then at verse 20, it shifts to wisdom who is calling out. So where does wisdom go in the beginning of this reading? Where is she? She's in the middle of the street, she's at the gates, and she's not just like hand motioning, she's actually calling, calling out to try to get people's attention. And so I was struck that she was calling out in the busy places, probably in the noisy places like the marketplace. But it sounds like wisdom is having a hard time being heard because of all the din and the hustle and bustle and all of the things that are going on. It's almost like people are so busy that she's not being noticed. So do you think there's an application there? You're nodding your head. What do you think, Will? There is an application. Okay, what what lesson can we learn from that? What I take from 
wisdom crying aloud in the street and in the marketplace is that wisdom is not hidden. It's something that anybody can find if they choose to. Now, yeah. that doesn't mean that it'll be easy to follow or that it's something that we want to hear, but wisdom is never hidden. In fact, I think we often refer to it as common sense. It's something that we all, uh, within ourselves, know the right choice to make a lot of the times, but a lot of times we want to ignore it, even when it's standing right in front of us, calling aloud, begging for us to listen. Yeah. It's kind of like one of the problems that I see in, in some young men is they are almost, um, I don't know, they're impressed with their own knowledge, maybe. They feel like they've arrived. Um, they're, they're getting a little big for their britches, you know, feeling their own oats. Um, I, I, don't need, I don't need people to tell me I've got this figured out, you know. And here's wisdom saying, look, if you'll just listen to me, if you'll pay attention, I'm going to spare you a lot of heartache. Adam had a comment. Yes, sir. I was going to say, I was reading recently in uh, some of Solomon's writings, and one of the things that kind of stuck out to me, he was the wisest man that ever lived. But even the wisest man that ever lived had very little self-control at times. Yes, yeah. He, so I he, think wisdom and self-control don't always go hand in hand. Yeah, you, should, great, you may know better, but you're not going to act that way. Yeah, you know, the Lord granted Solomon uh, an abundant amount of wisdom because it pleased the Lord when he made that request. And so we suspect he was probably, if not the wisest man on the earth, one of the wisest, certainly in his time, and kings from all over would come and, and visit him. And he was just stunning to people how wise he was. So here's my application, Will. I wrote, so often we are busy chasing the daily and urgent noisy things, right? We don't have time for prayer and reflection to stop and say, Lord, I've come to kind of a junction in my life or I'm making a decision or I have these choices that are before me, for me or me and my family. And so I'm asking you to help me. Give me wisdom, Lord. I am seeking wisdom in this area of my life. So let me set aside the noise and the distraction of so many things in life that are vying for my attention and let me focus on you only. And I ask that you grant me wisdom. Wow, that's awesome. Now, there are a few people like that out there, but I'm here to tell you most people are caught up in the rush of daily life, and they don't even have time to stop down and stop and pray or stop and read their Bible. I mean, the people that read their Bible daily are probably a minority. So just to stop, to be, to be still. Uh, be still and know that I'm God, the Lord commands. To ponder what he wants, to meditate, to ask the Lord for insight. Now, that's, that's wisdom. To learn to discern the things that you see around you and not buy into the messages of the world, i.e. Satan, the prince of the power of this world. He wants you to believe that you have to have certain things to have status. You have to have certain things to be successful. And so while we're busy in the marketplace and in our places of work and earning for our family and busy, busy, doing, doing, we don't stop sometimes and just say, Lord, I need wisdom. Just give me wisdom. Yes, sir. Tom, I think sometimes we misinterpret knowledge as wisdom. Okay. You want to you help us out there, maybe distinguish the two? Yeah. So from my estimation, knowledge can be learned. 
we can read a book. We yeah. can gain knowledge from that book. Yeah. Wisdom to me comes more from experience. Yeah. You know, as we age in this life, the experiences that we encounter in our lives give us the wisdom. How do we learn what's good and bad? You know, we fail. We know that's bad. We don't do it again. You know, we succeed. That's good. We do that again. We replicate that. And I think that's where we can sometimes get caught up in equating one to the other, and they are very different things. Yeah, I think of wisdom as the thing that you pour in your head, you know, book smarts and facts and studying. Wisdom is that applied knowledge as you go out and live your life and you make good, wise choices that bring you peace and harmony and stability in your life. And some people, bless their hearts, some people go from one crisis to the next all of their life. You ever known people like that? One, you know, they call you and you're like, oh boy, here we go again, another crisis. You've got to help me. This is, I'm desperate. It's terrible. I, this has happened. I'm like, oh man, will they ever learn? They may not. They may not. So yeah, thank you. Good point. The difference between wisdom and knowledge. So we should, we should not just strive for wisdom, uh, knowledge, but, but applied knowledge, which is wisdom where we make good godly choices. What's kind of sad as you continue reading in Proverbs 1 is, in this case, wisdom is crying out, Will, but nobody's really wanting to listen. Be quiet, I'm busy. I've got things to do. I think I've, had it, I've got it figured out. She says, I have called, verse 24, and you refuse to listen, have stretched out my hand, and no one has heeded. Can you hear a frustration? Nobody's listening. I'm trying to help you here. So then she says, because you've ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. You don't want to hear the truth. You got, you got your mind made up. Then, verse 26, I will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you. When terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you, then they will call upon me. But I won't answer. It's too late. You messed up. So pay attention. Pay attention to the right things. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they would have none of my counsel and despised all my proof. So basically, what she's saying is, uh, at the end of this chapter, wisdom sees a train wreck coming. I see what's going to happen. Because you've ignored me, she says. Because people are rushing to follow the wrong path. They've got their own answers. They're, they've made their own choices. They haven't sought God. They haven't sought wisdom and counsel. Yeah, nobody listened. If they had just gotten on the ark, they'd be alive, wouldn't they? They could have been part of that procreation and been blessed by God. You know, I, I somebody mentioned Solomon. Who was that? Adam? Solomon asked for wisdom, didn't he? And so God bestowed a great amount of wisdom on him, but it, he didn't always make the right choices. He lacked that discipline and discretion to choose the right things. Basically, it came down to this. His heart was compromised, unlike his father. He didn't give his whole heart to follow God. He had a place in his heart for those foreign wives. He had a place in his heart for the thoroughbreds, the horses in his stables, and the gold 
and the national trade that he was involved in, international trade. So these things clouded his judgment and ultimately led him toward a downfall. John? Speaking of the ark, do you know how much room was left on the ark? How much room was left yeah. on the ark? I don't know. It was probably kind of crowded, Sean, I would think. But, yeah. I tell you what, if you ever get a chance to go to the, uh, the ark encounter up in Kentucky, it's pretty amazing. Anybody? I've been there. Who else has been there? Several of you? That's an amazing trip, ark encounter. While you're going north, keep going toward the Ohio River into, into Ohio, and you'll see the Creation Museum. So it's a really interesting visit. But there was enough room to accomplish what God needed done because he obeyed, Noah obeyed God, and all of the animal kingdom that God intended to continue procreating, they lived on the ark, survived, and, and uh, so it was just as God had planned it. Noah was obedient. He showed wisdom. And unfortunately, the people to whom Noah preached laughed at him, mocked him, rejected his message, and ended up being destroyed. So a good lesson there. All right, any other comments or questions before we move on to part two? Anybody? Insights? Comments? All right, let's go to part two. That's in chapter three. And uh, I need somebody to read 13 through 20. Chapter three. Okay, thank you, Warren. Warren's going to read that for us. Chapter three, 13 through 20. Happy is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for her proceeds are better than the profits of silver and her gain than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies, and all the things you may desire cannot compare with her. Mm -hmm. Length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, and happy are those who retain her. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the depths are broken up, and the clouds drop down the dew. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, now 21 picks up with the father who's speaking to the son again, so this is just a real short. Um, so how, how would you, when we've read these verses, is there anything that stood out that wisdom is doing differently than that first encounter we had in chapter 1? Anybody? All right, I wrote down... Basically, that wisdom is now challenging those people out there and saying, are you looking for me? Are you seeking for me? All right? Because you have to seek in order to find. Uh, I, I made a point here. In Proverbs 31, you may recall that uh, the very last chapter of Proverbs, in part of the Proverbs, it says, who can find a virtuous woman, 
her price is far above rubies. All right? So if you, you kind of dissect that sentence, it doesn't say when a virtuous woman is presented to you, it implies that you have to be looking, right, seeking a woman of virtue. When I was in college, uh, I just had a little prayer to the Lord one day. I said, Lord, you know, here I am in this field of good Christian women. I just need to find one that will help me get to heaven, that will put up with me and be patient. And I need you to help me in that choice. And he did. He helped me find Meg. I found a virtuous woman, but I had to be seeking for her. So when you use the word find, what would be another word similar to find? Just shout them out. Desire. Desire. Very good. All right. How about you look, right? Yeah, basically, when, when, you, when you think of the word find, what's another word for find? Search. Seek. When you invest time, when you inquire, you discover. Who can find a virtuous woman? Her price is far above rubies. In other words, there's a benefit to finding that virtuous woman, but it's, the burden is on us to seek, right? And the same is true for wisdom. We have to seek wisdom. Now she's out there getting our attention. She's, here I am. <laughs> here I am. Would you listen to me? I'm going to help you. Yeah, I've been looking for you. I need you. Please, let's get together and talk. Share with me. Enlighten me. So Lady Wisdom is the same way. And so as we were reading, I wrote down some of the words that describe people who find her. Blessed. You're blessed if you find wisdom. You will have great gain. I, I see a monetary gain, a gain in, in, in wisdom, a stability in your life. Uh, your family will be blessed. Uh, the best of all things to desire is wisdom. Make it a top priority in your life. Uh, if you seek wisdom and follow her, your life will be lengthened. Isn't that interesting? Your life will be lengthened. She will give you pleasant and peaceful ways. She is the tree of life. Now, one thing that I thought was interesting about this particular chapter in, in 3, if you start in verse 19, wisdom is saying, look, I'm so important that I was actually present at the formation of the world. I was present when God started to make this earth. The Lord, by wisdom, founded the earth. By understanding, he established the heavens. By his knowledge, the deeps broke open and the clouds dropped down the dew. So what wisdom is saying is that I am an integral part of a godly nature. God is wisdom. He's perfect wisdom. And he wants to share that with you to have a blessed life. Seek it. Don't allow Satan to whisper in your ear to tell you lies and have you seek things that bring destruction instead of blessing. So that's a pretty simple concept. All right. Any thoughts or comments? Yes, sir. If you look at the scripture here, and it specifies when you find wisdom, it uses one word to define find wisdom, how we attain it. 
Yes. And then the following of all the benefits that come yep. along with it once you've attained that wisdom. Right. When you read that, the way I read that is the benefits of attaining wisdom far outseed what it takes to gain the wisdom. Yes, that's right. Uh, I, I like the old business model. They used to say, with them, what's in it for me? You have to explain to people why they need to listen to what you're offering them because they'll realize if I invest myself in this and I buy into it, the benefit is going to be so much greater than whatever I pay up front. That's what's going to be in it for me. The, the benefits will far out, out uh, exceed the, the cost, my investment. And so these are eternal benefits of being wise, seeking not worldly wisdom, but godly wisdom. And I'm going to talk in a minute about worldly wisdom in a contrast to godly wisdom because they're very, very different animals. And unfortunately, uh, we have people that are buying into worldly wisdom and laughing at godly wisdom. It's very sad. All right, let's turn to Proverbs 8. Any other comments or questions on that chapter? We're kind of doing the hitting the top of the waves and moving fast. All right, Proverbs 8. Now, this is the whole chapter. All right, I'll go ahead and read this one. And this is actually, um, it's a pretty long one. I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then we'll see how much time we have when we get done. All right. So on this one, uh, wisdom is calling again, but in this case, she's turning up the volume. Hey, hey, listen to me. I'm trying to get your attention here. You've ignored me so far. So I'm going to try again. I'm going to try to get your attention and have you listen and follow me. Verse 1, does not wisdom call? Does not understanding raise her voice? It's not just, hey, hey. It's like, hey, over here, wake up. Listen to me. I'm going to give you health. I'm going to give you long life and peace, contentment. Will you please listen to me? She's raised her voice on the heights beside the way. At the crossroads, she takes her stand beside the gates in front of the town. At the entrance of the portals, she cries aloud. To you, O men, I call. My cry is to the children of man. O simple ones, she says, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things. From my lips will come what is right. Mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. That's important. And if you like marking in the Bible or have a way to take a note, remember that, that wickedness and wisdom are on opposite ends of the spectrum. You can't be wise and engage in wicked things. It wouldn't work. Don't try it. It's an abomination to my lips, wisdom says. All the words of my mouth are righteous. There's nothing twisted or crooked in them. They are all straight to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Take my instruction instead of silver. And knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels. And all that you may desire cannot compare with her. 
I, wisdom, dwell with prudence, and I find knowledge and discretion. The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech. He says, all these things I hate. I have counsel and sound wisdom. I have insight. I have strength. By me, kings reign and rulers decree what is just. By me, princes rule and nobles, all who govern justly. I love those who love me, she says. And those who seek me diligently, they find me. I can be found. Riches and honor are with me, enduring wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than gold, even fine gold, and my yield than choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness in the paths of justice, granting an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, wisdom goes back, kind of doubles back to creation being present when the earth was formed. Listen to what she says in verse 22. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old, ages ago, I was set up. At the first, before the beginning of the earth, when there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water, before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, wisdom says. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limit so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world, and wisdom says, I was delighting in the children of man. Wisdom actually sat back and marveled at God's creation. Like, wow, God, that is impressive. You made these creatures. How beautiful. Verse 32, and now, O sons, as wisdom cries out, she says, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. Ah, but verse 36. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. So I just uh, some notes I made here is where is wisdom not found? She's everywhere. She was even present at the beginning before the first man and woman existed. She raises her voice. She tries to get attention. She says, be prudent, have sense. But she also points out that anybody who says they're wise but engages in wickedness, that person is a liar because true wisdom and wickedness have nothing to do with each other. So I want to talk for just a moment about false wisdom. What do you think false wisdom is? Okay, a lie. False wisdom is a lie. Where do people run into false wisdom? Where would you see it and how would you know if you saw it? 
Yeah, if you'll just do this, you'll be an instant millionaire. Okay, a ruse, a ploy, to something too good to be true. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. It kind of, it's, it, it kind of is in direct opposition to that good old-fashioned work ethic where slow and steady wins a race, right? Yeah, people maybe are, let their greed take, take ahead, get ahead of their common sense, so they're unwise, false wisdom. You know, I was thinking about um, Satan is the master of lies and deception, isn't he? I mean, that's all he does is he tries to trip us up. He tries to say things to entice us. He, he twists the truth. He bends the truth. And he tries to get us to listen to the things that are not true. And one of the things that scares me personally, and, and I'm kind of on a soapbox here for a minute, so bear with me, but our educational institutions in our country are becoming breeding grounds for teaching false wisdom. I mean, it's literally been said to some freshmen in their first class, forget everything your parents taught you. We're going to teach you the truth. And so they begin systematically programming and, and redefining what is truth. And they fill the heads of young people, impressionable young people, with falsehood. And they say, now you're educated. Now you're smart. Now you know the truth. And that's the furthest thing from the truth to forget the old-fashioned values that these children were raised in, and they reprogram them to think like the devil. So I'm just saying not all higher institutions do this, but it's very common in our universities. You might want to go back and watch the God's Not Dead series, the movies. Do not let the universities in our country indoctrinate precious young minds. So how can you prevent that? By teaching your children when they're at home to think for themselves and pray that their faith will become their own. And if they do go to universities, you might want to certainly steer them toward being in Christian circles and pockets and being part of the, the university church and the youth group and the activities and not just being isolated in campus and being indoctrinated by very carnal and liberal instructors that lean hard to the left. Hard. Be careful. It's happening all around us. We cannot stick our head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening. Our young people are very susceptible when they go off to college. So I think this is a new type of evil among us, this false wisdom. And let us ground our children in the word of God. Let us teach our children to seek wisdom at all cost and realize that the wisdom that we believe in, the wisdom that we teach comes from above and not the wisdom of the world that programs young people to believe false messages. What is the enemy of wisdom? The enemy of wisdom is pride. The wisdom, um, the enemy of wisdom is arrogance in verse 13. Verse 22 says that wisdom was there from the beginning. A couple of things I found interesting in Proverbs, it mentions the circle of the earth. For a long time, people felt the earth was flat, right? Uh, the fountains of the deep. Uh, there was a, a mariner who researched this and actually discovered there are fountains of the deep. Wisdom is trying to tell us, look, guys, I've been here from the beginning. I know all these things. 
If you'll just listen to me, I'm going to tell you great wonders about this universe, about this earth you live on. Yes, there are fountains of the deep and the circles on the face of the deep. These are scientific discoveries that were verified. Watch daily for me, she says. Wait at my door. Seek me. Pray that you can receive me. But all who hate me, she says, love death. So uh, however you can maybe... I would invite you to pray for our young people at Stroudsville. Pray for our young people in the church. Pray that God will open their eyes and that they'll go, in, go into these places out in the world with their eyes open and realize that so many messages they're hearing are false truths. The world says this is wisdom, this is what you need. But in reality, it's a lie. And so let us uh, be discerning, let us be wise. Next week, we're going to pick up with our fourth part of wisdom, which is Proverbs chapter Nine. So any other comments as we close tonight? Any thoughts, observations? Yes, sir. Dennis? Oh, we got two. Let's get Warren first, and then we'll do Dennis. I think of uh, what Paul told the Corinthians in uh, Corinthians 3, 18 and 19, that no one deceive himself if anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Amen. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. Amen. 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 I like the saying that says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he, he will lift you up. He will exalt you. All right, Dennis. Yes, sir. Yeah, I was just talking about, he's talking about I'm teaching uh, kids to forget everything that they've been taught mm-hmm. and everything that's been told to them. Yeah. That's kind of exactly the same thing that the serpent told Eve. Yes. For, forget what he said. That's right. Not, yeah, same thing. Did God really say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to just tell you, uh, I'm reading stories about things that are happening not in high schools, not in middle school, Things are happening in elementary school where they're beginning to program our children to think about their sexual identity, to question it. And then if their child decides they're not sure who they are, they say, well, don't tell your parents. We have a program for you. We want to sign you up. But let's not let mom and dad know. Folks, that's scary. And it's happening in the United States of America. It's it's happening locally. Scary. I was at a middle school recently in this county where a teacher is openly gay and they're teaching the young, you know, the young minds. And I know this person. And I saw that the other day and I was, I was like, how did we get here? It's, it's infesting in our elementary schools, in our middle schools, in our high schools. We need to worry long before the young people get to university. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, it, just, it just reaffirms, it kind of highlights and accentuates the idea that Satan is working diligently to capture the minds and the hearts of the young people in every congregation of the Lord's church. He wants them. He wants them desperately. So parents, please, please wake up. Take an active role in teaching your children to love the Lord.
the best thing you can do is show them how much you love and submit to Jesus and how much you love them by loving your neighbor. Be an example. Let them see Jesus in you. Because if you're not, and they go off to these universities, it's going to be too late. It's happening. It's happening even at the middle school levels, high school levels, and sometimes elementary. Be wise. Be discerning. And pray. Pray that God will help you. All right, we're out of time, so thank you for your comments tonight. Everyone who participated, thank you so much. And uh, we will see you next Wednesday night and finish up our last section. Hey, Will.
Good to see everybody here. Thank you for, for being here tonight. Looks like we have a good crowd. Um, we're going to be singing number 429, and I, haven't, I like that song. I've always enjoyed Be With Me, Lord. And when Howard told me he was going to lead it, I wanted, if you'll open your book, let's look at verse 2. 429, Be With Me, Lord. And, and I thought about two situations where there were storms on the sea. You probably recall one when Jesus was in the boat and he was asleep, he was exhausted and the winds and the waves crashed and they thought they were going to die, right? They thought they were going to die. Carest thou not that we perish, we used to sing. That's when Jesus sat up and said, peace, be still. They marveled because everything was quiet. Immediately, he, he calmed the storm. And I think another situation where there was a, a very bad storm was Paul on his way to Rome, remember, near the island of Maltus. He kept trying to tell them this is not a good idea. The, ca- the Roman captain of the ship said, no, nah, no, nah, we're good, we're good. Well, anyway, they were shipwrecked and the ship broke apart. And Paul told them ahead of time, he said, an angel has revealed to me that no one will perish if you'll do what I tell you to do. They all got pieces of wood, floated, floated to the island, and all were spared. All of them were lost. But can you imagine being on a ship, a cargo ship that's actually being beaten apart and comes in pieces and you're on it and thinking, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Wow. Well, let's read verse 2. Be with me, Lord, and then if dangers threaten... If storms of trial burst above my head, if lashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart afraid. Now, I doubt anybody's been in a a storm on sea where you thought you were going to die, but this is metaphorical. The seas that are rough, the storms that hit our life. So some of you in here have experienced the death of a spouse or death of a parent or death of a sibling or job loss or a serious accident or emergency room visit or life-threatening illness. You've had storms that hit you. And what, the, what this beautiful verse 2 says, that if dangers threaten, that they can't harm or make my heart afraid. Why? Because the Lord is with me 24-7 all the time so as you sing this I want you to think about your life if you're struggling I want this to be a song of encouragement if we can pray for you if we can pray for someone in your family who's going through a storm right now just um, we'll be happy to pray and it will remind all of us that the Lord is always with us let's stand and sing together number 429 Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without Thee. I dare not try to take one step alone. I cannot bear the loads of life unaided. I need Thy strength to lean myself upon. Be with me, Lord, and then if dangers threaten, if storms of trouble
cry, no burst above my head. If flashing seas leap everywhere about me, they cannot harm or make my heart afraid. Be with me, Lord, when loneliness overtakes me, when I must weep amid the fires of pain, and when shall come the hour of my departure for worlds unknown, O Lord, be with me then. Be seated, please. Just a moment, we'll have Brother Will, who will lead us in our closing prayer. I want to go over some, a list of those who have been on our mind and had surgeries or, or procedures recently. Uh, Denise Gupton had her knee replaced, and I uh, went to see her yesterday, prayed with her. So she's still in a lot of pain and groggy, but um, she'll have several weeks of recovery from her knee replacement. Uh, Kaylee Malkowski had tonsil and adenoid surgery. I understand that went well, so she's back home. Robert Head... Uh, bladder surgery coming up. Beverly Key's dad, Alan Thomas, passed away. I talked to Beverly yesterday. She appreciated our thoughts and prayers, but her dad had been uh, sick for quite a long time and had suffered. Uh, Jimmy Renfro, uh, breathing difficulties. He's in a Georgia hospital. This is Miss Pat Warren's um, uh, son-in-law that Rachel is married to. Uh, he's back in Georgia. Liberty Rosales, the newborn um, baby of Story and Jose Rosales, she's at Vanderbilt Children's Hospital and they're concerned about some uh, issues they see. They're running additional tests. She was born February 19. Any other health updates or prayer requests for anybody in the, in the congregation? Anybody? I was going to give you an update on Meg's dad. He's still continuing to be confused, but they are going to try to change a medicine for his heart to see if that might help some of the confusion. Sometimes medicines interact with each other, so we'll keep you posted on that. Uh, we will have a group that leaves Friday for CYC. They'll be back sometime Sunday, and I just want to pray for all of those that are attending CYC. There's a, a table, baby shower for Story and Jose Rosales. Uh, they're set up in the foyer. They would appreciate gift cards from Walmart, Amazon, Target, and we need those gifts by March 1. There's also a sign-up sheet for coordinators that we need for youth and senior suppers for 2023. If you'd like to coordinate that, we'd appreciate it. Also, we need uh, ladies that would be willing to lead a ladies' devo. Uh, you can see Shannon Garrett and sign up for that as well. The ladies' sewing group will begin meeting again on Thursdays. That's March the 2nd at 12.30 p.m. You can see Wanda Stringer if you have more questions. And um, finally, there's uh, an announcement about a member that had gone here for a while, uh, Carol Bonzik. There is a celebration of life service for her husband, Rick, who passed recently. That'll be Saturday, March 4 at 10 a.m. at Austin Bell Funeral Home in Pleasant View. And um, we'll be taking food to that family. I visited with Carol and prayed with her yesterday. She's so thankful for all of her loving friends here at Stroudsville. And um, if you're going to bring food, we need that here by 1 p.m. on Friday, March 3rd. That's, uh, I'm assuming, here in the fellowship hall. And then we'll take that over to her house. So she's a sweet lady. What's our count tonight? 100. 100. Yay. Okay. 
y'all get 100 tonight. All right, we're going to ask Will to come lead us, and Will, I'll leave these uh, sick and updates here at the top, and we'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord, our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for another opportunity to come together, to read from your word, to study it, and to worship you. We thank you, Lord, for this congregation and all the things that we're doing recently uh, for the encouragement of the saints, the teaching, the classes, the trip we're about to take to CYC. I pray, Lord, that this trip is beneficial to all to help us to be encouraged and to strengthen our faith, especially for the young people. We pray, Lord, for those of our number who are sick or have ailments of this physical world. We pray for Denise Gupton after her recent knee surgery, for Kaylee Makowski for the tonsil and adenoid surgery. We also pray for Robert Head uh, and for Beverly Key's dad as Alan Thomas has passed away. We pray for their family and that they'll be comforted. We pray for Jimmy Renfro that uh, his breathing difficulties will get better. We also pray for Liberty Rosales, the new child, that, uh, that they'll be restored to full health soon. We also rejoice that we have some new faces in the, in the brotherhood as well. We pray for the Santiago family and their new child and pray that the family will, will adapt just fine at home and that everything will be good. We also pray for Meg's dad, that maybe he'll be getting feeling better one day. We also pray for uh, Carol Bosnick and the loss that she's experienced. We know, Lord, that all of these things of this world are temporary. We know that if we're faithful, that one day we'll have a home with you where none of these things will be a trouble anymore. And we pray that one day we can have that home with you without these physical ailments and without this mortal coil. In Jesus' name, amen.